couple Sundays ago, we talked about I connect. Last Sunday, we talked about I serve. This morning, we're going to talk about I invite. Now, I hope uh, that that everyone, everyone will leave here this morning inspired to invite somebody to come to church next Sunday. We do, however, want you to also, with your invitation, pray that God will give you wisdom so that you can do it in an appropriate way. I heard about this one guy that uh, he just got all excited in a service like this, and he decided that he was going to confront every lost person he saw, and he was going to convert them no matter what. He was going to lead them to Jesus. And so he got his great big King James study Bible, big enough to choke a horse, and carried it with him to work the next morning. He rode a bus to work, and he said, I'll start on the bus. First person I see needs Jesus. I'm going to get in their face. And this old drunk guy got on the bus. And he's staggering down the aisle, bumping into folks. And this guy's sitting back several seats. So he jumps up with his Bible, runs up to that drunk, sticks it right in his face and said, Brother, let me tell you one thing. You're, you're going to hell. And the old drunk staggered back a little bit. He said, Really? He said, Oh, my goodness. I've done it again. I've got on the wrong bus. <laughs> Well, if you are going to hell, that is the wrong bus. You, you, you might want to get off of it, but there's a, there's, a, there's a better way. We're going to talk about that better way. In fact, I'm going to take you straight to the Scripture this morning. My text will be found in St. John's Gospel, Chapter 1. And if you've got your Bible with you and you open it to Chapter 1, just hold it there because I'm going to read a lot of Scripture from John, Chapter 1 today. It's a long chapter, and we're going to cover quite a bit of it uh, in this message. Not near all of it. But, uh, but, but a pretty good portion of it. And we're going to talk to you about uh, inviting. Here's my text. John 1, we're going to read 40 to 42. If you have an app or whatever, if you're reading it on your phone or your iPad or whatever, just, just hold it right there at chapter 1 because I'm coming back to it real quick. One of the two who heard John, this speaking of John the Baptist here, one of the two who heard John the Baptist speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Now, when he talks about following him, he's talking about following Jesus. One of the two of John's disciples that, that heard, uh, heard him speak it was, was Andrew. We don't know who the other one was for sure, but uh, a lot of speculation. Most Bible scholars believe that it was probably John the beloved disciple, not John the Baptist, but John the beloved disciple, the one that wrote the Gospel of John, by the way and the three epistles of John. He first, talking about Andrew now, he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, you're Simon, son of Jonah. You're going to be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. I want to I want you to get the full picture here this morning because I'm going to stay with this, this story for the entire message. So let's go back and get the setting, read some more scripture and follow with me. Let's back all the way up to verse 19 and read down through verse 28. This will give you the setting of this little story. Now this is a testimony of John, again, John the Baptist. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. 
are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, well, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees. And they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ, you're not Elijah or the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. Now, as I said, this is the setting of the story. These folks have been sent by religious leaders to question John. Isn't it amazing how often religion get things wrong when it comes to the Scripture? Now, these are religious leaders. These are religious leaders that knew the Scripture These were religious leaders that were watching it unfold right in front of them, and they still missed it. They they sent these people for the purpose of asking John some specific questions. The first one was they questioned him about his identity. You remember what we just read? They came to John. They said, who are you anyway? Who are you? I imagine they asked it sarcastically. Who, who do you think you are anyway? Tell, tell us. Um, <laughs> and so then they proceed by uh, pointing to a few Bible people that they thought maybe, are, are you the Christ? John said, no, I'm not. They said, well, are you Elijah? They said, no, I'm not Elijah. Are you the prophet? No. no it's, who are you anyway? What do you say about you? What do you got to say about yourself, John? And so John goes back into the book of Isaiah and shocks them with this passage from Isaiah. He said, I'll tell you who I am. I'm that voice that was sent to declare the way of the Lord, to come before him. To prepare the way before him. So with that answer, they leave that question about identity, and then they move to the question of what gives you the right to baptize? Again, trying to get it in the context of their religious structure, because John was operating outside of that. So they question him about his baptism. If you're not Christ, if you're not Elijah, if you're not the prophet, then what what are you doing out here baptizing? And he said, hey, you think this is something, there's, there's one in your midst that you don't even recognize. You talk about baptism, you wait till you see his baptism. <laughs> I'm baptizing you with water. If you study what, they, what he told them later on, he said that the, the, this, this one that I'm talking about, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Anybody met him? Jesus, anybody had that baptism? Isn't that a wonderful baptism that he has? Amen. And John said, I'm, I'm, I'm just baptizing in water, just getting things prepared for him. Now, uh, the third thing I want you to notice here is that John's answer was totally unexpected. They, they just did not expect this whatsoever. In fact, 
he tells them about the coming of Christ. He's actually doing what God had sent him to do. He's fulfilling his ministry here. So now, this going on, and I don't know how long that took, but, but a part of that day. And the, John catches up the story by moving us to the next day. So let's look at this. The next day, drop down to verse 29, and we'll read through 34. Listen, listen to it. I love, how many of you like the scripture? You like the word of God? Isn't the word of God wonderful? You can just read it over and over and over and over, and it'll speak new things to you because it's a living word. The word of God is life, according to John 6, 63. Listen to these verses. The next day, this is what happened the next day. John, speaking of John the Baptist again, he saw Jesus. Now, he talked about him the day before. Now, he shows up. He saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was, born, he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testify that this is the Son of God. Now, those of you that know the, you've read this scripture many times, there might be a part of that message that's a little confusing because John says, I didn't know him. And yet we all know that they knew each other well, they were acquainted at least from childhood. You, you remember when the angel came to Mary and told Mary that she was going to conceive in her womb the Son of God, that it would be an implantation of the Holy Spirit, that the baby that she would carry would not come through natural means, so she would, as a virgin, carry the Son of God. She'd found special favor with God. You remember what she did after she got that message and God performed that miracle of the incarnation, bringing God the Son into the womb of a woman to give him a, an earthly body so he could live among us? I don't know about you, but I'm really glad that God was willing to come and live among us and partake of life so he would know what we go through. Anybody glad about that? Jesus, yes, praise God. Our Lord loved us a lot, boy, I'm telling you. To be willing to do that. Now, remember what Mary did? She immediately went to visit her cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist and was nearing the time of delivery when Mary went to visit her. And so, so John knew about Jesus, and very possibly they played together as kids. John knew him as a as a good kid, an obedient child, compliant according to the scripture to what Mary and Joseph told him to do. He was obedient to them. He's growing in wisdom statue. What John is saying here is I did not know him with the assurance that I'm telling you today. I did not know him as the son of God until I had a revelation from God. 
God, when he called me into this ministry of water baptism at the Jordan, also told me that I was to prepare the way for the Son of God, told me that I was called that man that was prophesied way back there by Isaiah, and he told me that I would know the Son of God that I was preparing the way for when he comes because I would see him when he when the Spirit of God descended upon him and remained upon him. And he said, I, I, I didn't know for sure. I, I, I heard mama talk about that visit. I heard, I heard a lot of things, but he's just like another kid to me. But I was there. In fact, I was the one who baptized him. And I saw the heavens open. And I heard the voice of God speak and say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And I saw the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove descend from heaven and rest upon him. I know that's the son of God. I've got that revelation. I know him now. I know who he is. He's not just cousin Jesus. He is God the son. Praise God. Somebody give God some praise this morning. So, boy, this next day is getting interesting. As Jesus, as John makes that proclamation about Jesus, John introduces Jesus to the whole crowd. Now, later that day, something else unusual happens. Now, remember, John the Baptist has got a big ministry going. All Judea and surrounding areas were coming out to him for baptism. And, and he had a whole team of workers. In fact, John had disciples just like Jesus had disciples. I don't know how many John had, but I do know this. When, when Jesus came into the picture and John began to realize that I have now fulfilled my ministry. In fact, he made the statement, he must increase, I must decrease. John gave Jesus two of his best disciples Look at this. Drop down to verse 35. Look at verse 35 through 37. Again, the next day. This is what happened later on the next day. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Now, now I want you to get this picture in your mind. Earlier that day, when he proclaimed, behold, the Lamb of God, he's, in, he's preaching to his crowd, having his baptismal service. Now, he's talking with a couple of his disciples. They're just standing there talking. Just like if I had Eduardo and Tony up here, and the three of us were just talking. That John is just carrying on a conversation with his disciples, a couple of his disciples. Andrew was one of them. The Bible doesn't tell us who the other one was. But as I said, most Bible scholars believe it was John. And so Andrew and John standing there talking, and Jesus has been with them. John the Baptist has already proclaimed him as the Christ. And now Jesus is leaving the service. And as he's leaving, not like he proclaimed to the whole crowd earlier, he says, hey, guys, hey, hey, that's, that's the Son of God. Just, just like I said earlier in the service, earlier today, that's the Son of God. That, that, that's the, what are you standing here? That's the Son of God. And so his two disciples, these two, follow 
Jesus. So John gave Jesus two of his very best disciples. And man, what a powerhouse those two guys were. Which brings me to my third and final point of this message this morning. I want you to see the power of an invitation. The power of an invitation. John sends these two guys after Jesus. And then Jesus invites these two guys to become his disciples. Watch the story as it unfolds. Verses 38 and 39. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following said to them, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, and I want you to notice these two words because they keep coming up. Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. Wow. Wow. Jesus said, uh, come with me. And they followed him. Then, I don't know how long they stayed. I'm assuming overnight. Maybe the next day or maybe it was several days later. I don't know how long, but I know this. When the first break came where Andrew could slip away for a few minutes, I read it in a text, so I'm not going to reread it now, but it's verses 40 to 42. Andrew ran home and told his brother, Simon Peter, wow, wow. He, he, said, he said, hey, Simon, you, I think we found a Messiah. Why don't, you, why don't you come and check him out? And so Simon Peter comes to visit Jesus upon the invitation of Andrew, his brother. Do you realize that the most outspoken disciple, to, to become the most outspoken disciple of the entire 12, that the man, the man who Jesus said, I give to you the keys to the kingdom, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Do you realize that the man to whom Jesus said upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Do you realize the man who preached on the day of Pentecost and won 3,000 people to Jesus came to Jesus just because his brother said, why don't you come over with me? Check this out. Just an invitation. And he becomes a disciple of Christ and a leader of the church. Writes First and Second Peter that's in your Bible. Is believed to have been the author of Mark's gospel. St. Mark in your Bible, most of that Mark wrote it, but it probably came from the heart of Simon Peter and his experiences with Jesus, at least a whole lot of it. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Just one little old invite. You, you just, folks, when you invite somebody, you have no idea what that may be leading to. I guarantee you, that there are stories in this room that could be told of amazing things that have happened in your family because somebody invited somebody to come to church. Somebody invited you at some point or another. Amen. Well, let's, let's keep going because the story just keeps thickening here. Uh, two more disciples joined the ministry. 
that next day. Look at verses 43 to 51. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the, in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, hear these words again, come and see. Just, just come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you hereafter, you shall see the heavens open, the angels are ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Here's another invitation. <laughs> Just like Andrew, Philip, who is invited by Jesus personally to come and be a part of his ministry team, he immediately goes and finds Nathaniel and said, Nathaniel, we found him. I, I, I think we found him. I, I, I've, uh, everything I've studied in the Old Testament, I, this, I just believe this is him. And Nathaniel came along. Do you realize that at least two of the disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ came to him on the invitation of somebody else? Now, later, of course, Jesus made it personal, the calling, but they came because somebody just gave a little old invitation, just three words come and see. Just come and see. Come and see. Wow. You know, I, I, I'm really resisting. It takes discipline right here because I, I want to run down a rabbit trail here and get off. I, I'm just, I, I'm trying to hold it in here. But there's, there's a verse over in the Psalms that tells us, or Proverbs that tells us that God sets the solitary in families. And if you study that out, the, the, the literal Hebrew of that is that God God takes somebody that, that he sees as a jewel and, and he cleans them up and brushes them all. You know, like you, you get a diamond out of the rough and, 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 he, and he gets it, sets them in a family where they just begin to sparkle with the love of Jesus. And before long, there's another member of the family and another member of the family and somebody else in the family and then a neighbor and then somebody else and somebody. Listen. In here, in, in, any of you got anybody that you know in your family, somebody somewhere, maybe a generation or so back, somebody in your family found Jesus and the influence of that person just started rubbing off on others. They just started, they just started seeing Jesus and, and before long somebody else came. God, God does it that way. He just, he, you may be that very person that God sees as a jewel and he's got you. You say, I'm worried about my family. I'm concerned about my family. No, that's why God's got you there. He's got you right in the middle of that so you can shine and show the love of Jesus. And, and after a while, somebody else will follow Jesus and somebody else, and generational lines will be changed because somebody invited you to Jesus, and now you're inviting somebody to Jesus. Amen. Wow. 
And hey, let, 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 me, let me help you understand something here. I'm not, I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you. This, this happens a lot. You know, guilt is not from God. Guilt comes from the devil. He, condemnation. He tries to beat you down with that. That's not the way the Lord works. The Lord, the Holy Spirit encourages you. It's, it's the enemy that tries to. Some people are so, and, and listen, folks, understand it. Everybody doesn't have the gift of evangelism. They just don't. There are people that have the gift of evangelism, and it's just amazing to watch them operate. Hey, you, ought to, you ought to spend a day and hang around with Roger Gardner sometime. He has the gift of evangelism. He, he, can, he can walk up to somebody talking about the stock market and lead them to Jesus. He can walk up to somebody talking about a truck and lead them to Jesus. He can, talk about, he can walk up to somebody talking ugly and, and lead them to Jesus. He, it's just as natural with him. As it, and, and I don't have that gift. I try to witness for Jesus, but I don't, I, that's not my gift. Um, and, and, and some of you feel guilty because you can't do it like people who have the gift of evangelism. And some of, it, some of us has tried to perfect that. We've learned the Roman road. We've learned evangelism explosion. We've learned this method and that method. And, and, and we've tried to, we tried, what's the guy that does the commandments? Um, um, we, your way of the master, we tried the way of the master, we tried, tried all, and I, listen, they're all good, and I don't want to discourage you if you use them. Go for it, go for it. But some of us are just not as gifted as others in that you don't have to learn half the Bible. You don't have to learn a, a specific method or whatever to just say to somebody, come and see. Yeah. You know, amen. The most powerful witness that any of us have anyway is our personal testimony. You know, you can find somebody and say, boy, you know, God's really done a lot in my life. He's, he's, really, he's really made a change in my life. How'd that happen? Come and see. Come over to my church. We got a whole house full of people that the Lord has done a mighty, mighty work in their lives. Just, just come and see. Come and see. Come and see. I want you to take that little card on your seat and hold it there for a minute. And if you need a pen, there should be a pen in the seat in front of you. By the way, don't feel guilty if you walk out with a pen and forget it, put it back. Use the pen. That may help you witness to somebody. You know, see somebody that's trying to sign their something at the restaurant and they, they don't have a pen. Hand them one and say, this new hope, come and see. <laughs> yeah, I go to church right there. It's, it's on it right there. I think it's on it. Yes, our website's on it. Our phone number's on it. My goodness, a lie. Three ways to witness right there. <laughs> but what we're going to do, we're going to pray and ask the Lord. I'm, I'm not asking you to do you know, to, we're just going to pray and ask the Lord this morning to help us to think of at least three names that we could invite this week to visit New Hope next week. Boy, we, we, this Sunday turned out to be a fantastic Sunday for the invite. We got Dave Reaver here next Sunday. Wow.
Amen. Man, his, you'll laugh, you'll cry. You're talking about your family and friends, whoever guests you want to bring. You, that you'll never have a greater opportunity in the next Sunday to, to, in, to invite them to the, to the house of the Lord. Now, while you're thinking on that, if, you, if a name comes to mind, you can go ahead and, go ahead and write it in. But I, I want to I close by telling you this little story. It's a true story. In fact, it's in the first chapter of a book called The Kingdom of God is a Party. And uh, it's written by Tony Campola. And I don't agree with Tony Campola's uh, theology on a, a number of things, but I certainly agree with his theology on evangelism. And, uh, and he's one that shares Jesus everywhere he goes. But in this first chapter, he tells us a true story. This happened to Tony. Tony was in Philadelphia, and he, he had a speaking engagement in Honolulu. So he flew from Philadelphia to Honolulu, Hawaii. And of course, you know, you change time zones a bunch of times. And by the time he landed in Honolulu, he was hungry for breakfast, but it was only 3 a.m. in Honolulu. So he's looking around for a place where he can get breakfast. And there's not much open at 3 a.m., but he found this little greasy spoon kind of a restaurant. And he walked in and and ordered a breakfast, a cup of coffee and a donut. And while he's sitting there enjoying this nutritious meal, uh, by now it's 3.30, the door opens and eight or nine prostitutes walk in the restaurant. And they're loud, they're talking loud. One of them says, hey, y'all know today's my birthday? I'm 39 years old today. And the other one yells, one of the other ones yells back at him and said, so what? Big deal. What do you expect us to do? Throw you a party, buy you a cake, sing happy birthday, forget it. And she responds back in equal anger and said, I wasn't asking you to do anything. I just made a statement. I just told you it's my birthday. I don't expect you to give me a party. I've never had a birthday party in my life. I don't expect you to buy a cake. I've never had a birthday cake. Forget it. Sorry I said anything. And Tony was about to leave and he decided to just hang around. And when they had all finally left, Tony went up to the, to the chef there at the restaurant and he said, let me ask you something. Does this crew come in here very often? He said, oh yeah. He said, you can almost set your clock by 3.30 every morning. These eight or nine girls come in here just as regular as clockwork. And he said, well, I, let me ask you a question. He said, if, if I foot the bill, could we have a party in here tomorrow night? I'll buy the decorations. I'll decorate everything up. He said, what do you want a party for? I said, he said, I, I'd like to have a party for that girl that's never had a birthday party. And he got excited. He said, sure, I'll bake her a cake. And then the waitresses kind of got into it. And they all got excited. And so the next day, Tony decorates that place to the hill. And, and word gets out on the street. <laughs> Tony said in his own words, he said, 3 o'clock the next morning, he said, I don't know, but I think maybe every prostitute in Honolulu was in that restaurant. He said, we were packed out wall to wall. And at 3.30 sharp, the door swings open. And in walks these these gals, and they scream, happy birthday. 
and they start singing happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you. And, and by the time they come to the end of the song, her, tear, her eyes are moistened with tears. And, and then the chef walks out with the cake and she just breaks down and cries. I mean, she uncontrollably said, they had to hold her up. They thought she was going to faint. And she stood there for a minute. She didn't. She couldn't even blow the candles out. She was so dumbfounded. And, and, and finally they helped her get the candles out. And, and she said to the guy that baked the cake, she said, do, do you care if I just take this cake? I, I need to get alone for a few minutes. And he said, well, it's your cake. You can do with it what you want to. And so she took the cake like it was the most treasured gift she'd ever received and slipped out and went home, which left Tony with a restaurant full of people who don't know what to do or what to say. And so everybody's looking at Tony and said, so Tony said, I tell you what let's do, let's pray. And let's pray for her that the Lord will save her. Let's pray that God will bless her. And so he started praying. He started, he started praying blessings over this young lady for, for the, that's just having the first birthday cake she's ever had in her entire life. And, and he prays. And when he finished the prayer, <laughs> the chef said, you didn't tell me you was a preacher for heaven's sakes. What kind of church do you go to? He said, I'll tell you what kind of church I go to. I go to a church that gives birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. Can I tell you something this morning? That's the kind of church I want to go to. When I see Haley and all these ladies that go with her, I don't know who all that, I don't want to miss anybody or leave anybody out. I know there's a whole bunch of you ladies that carry a burden. You go down to the clubs. You go in the clubs to those strippers. You take them gifts. You love on them. The guys walk up and down the sidewalk praying for you guys while you're in there ministering to them. That's Jesus, folks. That's Jesus' love going. You see, our Heavenly Father has invited us all to a party, a great big party. It's his kingdom party. Amen. He's even said he, he's going to build us all a special house for that party. Amen. And it's going to last a long time. And he's got, he's got to pave the streets with gold. And, 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 and the gates are pearl. And, and the walls are of jasper. And the, there's the river of life and the tree of life. And, and, and we're, going to, we're just going to have a wonderful time in God's presence forever. And, and let me tell you who he invites for that. Read it in Isaiah. Read it in Luke. He's inviting the down and the out. He's inviting the hurting. He's inviting the up and out, the in and out, the whoever so whoever will, thirsty, come and get some water. Hungry, come and eat. Sick, come and get healed. Lost, come and be found. He's, he's got the, if you're in prison, come to me. It's, the invitation is for everybody, for everybody. And you know what our job is? Once we've partaken of the water of life, our job and our responsibility is to just find somebody and say, come and see. Come check it out. If you don't believe it, come and see. Come and check it out. I want you to stand with me, please. I want the prayer team to come quickly. 
any staff members in here, board members or connect group leaders come and help us during this time. given an opportunity for prayer at the end of the services on Sunday morning most of the time. And great things happen at this altar. People get saved. People get healed. People get set free and delivered. Marvelous things happen because we come into agreement in prayer. There's power in agreement. Jesus is the one that gave us that instruction. Said, two of you agree. Power in that agreement when we pray. So if you need somebody to agree with you, if you're unsaved today, come and give your heart to Jesus. We invite you, just come. Join the party. Join the kingdom. Join the family. Come. If you're away from God, come on home. If you're sick in body and need to be healed, we'll be glad to pray with you and for you and believe God with you for a miracle. If you need financial help, come and pray and believe God. He's able to supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Whatever your needs are, come. There are many of you that perhaps would like to take that little card, that little invite card, Maybe you've already written down your two or three names. Maybe you haven't written anything on your card yet. But you'd like to just come forward. You may not need anybody to pray with you or for you, but you may want to just come forward with your little card this morning before you go and and say, Holy Spirit, would you speak to my heart? Would, Would you bring somebody to my mind that I could invite that maybe would be a divine appointment? Maybe you could intersect my life with somebody who's near eternity or that desperately needs God. Somebody you hadn't thought of yet. The Holy Spirit knows. He knows. Or maybe you want to just pray over the names you've already written there and say, Holy Spirit, would you, would you go before me and prepare their hearts so that when I say, I want you to come next Sunday and see this guy and, and, and just check out my church that the Holy Spirit will have already prepared them so that they'll respond in a very positive way. Whatever you'd like to do today, but, but the altar's open. And I invite you to come. God bless you.